It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. John chapter number 11, we're going to read just a few verses while you're turning. Last Sunday, last Sunday afternoon, I was called to the scene of an accident, and, and it was bad, bad. Father lost his 27-year-old son. And I'm sure the question in his mind was why? Why? About 1.30 that morning, Monday morning, uh, I got a call that my uncle was not breathing and they were getting into the ambulance. And so I loaded dad up and, and run down there and got dad real quick and we headed to Tennessee. And about almost before we got there, they called and said he didn't make it. And without a question, you think, why? What's, what, why? Why now? What, what if we did this? What if this would have happened? What if that would have happened? <clears throat> How many times have you been in life and, and something happened and, it, and it's just instinctively you say why? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Why does that happen? Well, we're going to try to answer that question in a a small fashion today. Uh, But more than that, more than answering that question, I want you to uh, see Jesus in a different way. Uh, The title of the message this, this morning is The Jesus You Need to Know. The Jesus You Need to Know. How many of y'all have figured out by now that everybody's got their own mind made up who they think Jesus is? Uh, Wednesday morning, I, I sat in a motel room in Tennessee and struggling because I knew, uh, I was going to have to be with family in just a little bit. And, and if there's ever a time you don't want to mess up and you want to do the right thing, it's at a memorial. And, and I sure wanted to help my family and I struggled and I prayed and I said, God help me with this. And, and God gave me a few thoughts that morning that I want to share with you today. Uh, it's not alliterated. It's just like he gave it to me in that motel room. I wrote it down on the motel room notes right there in the, in the, in the room. So, so if you'll bear with me, I, I believe God's going to help us today. How many of y'all pray for me this morning? Say amen. Well, let's look here in John 11 in verse number one. It says, now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick, your friend. There's no stretch of the imagination to be able to say that these were good friends of the Lord. And, and, and probably not a stretch to say some of his best friends. He said, your friend is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Say that with me. But for the glory of God. That the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go unto Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? 
any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he should do well. Let him rest, he said. Let him rest. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is he's dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus unto the fellow, his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh to Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary still sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, read it with me together, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Say it again. Lord, if you would have only been here, everything would have been okay if you'd have just been here. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to be in your house. Lord, I'm so grateful and thankful for your mercy and your grace. And I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit who I am in desperately need of this morning. I pray in Jesus' name that you'll fill my heart with your word and fill my heart with the unction of of glory. Lord, I pray. Lord, I pray that I can describe you in the way that you truly are. Not in what we think you are, but Lord, the Jesus we need to know. Lord, I praise you and I thank you and I glorify your name. Please help us today. Bless those that are here. Help them and encourage them. Lord, I know there's many people in here that's experienced tragedies and traumas in their life. And God, they need need encouragement. They need help. God, I pray that you'll help me. Touch me, Lord. I need to feel your presence. God, will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. It is amazing how we can take this story and, 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 and it's, it's, it's a really great story if you're familiar with it at all. It is the story of the resurrection of Lazarus. God calling Lazarus back. Uh, probably the greatest miracle that Jesus did besides his own resurrection. Uh, and, and, and calling him forth. And, and I've heard, I've heard sermon after sermon after sermon, message after message on this. And, and it's amazing how we can take Bible stories and, and, and make the mistake. And let me say this. Everybody pay attention with this because this is really important. We can make the mistake about making the Bible story about ourselves. And what I mean by that is we take this and we see Lazarus and, and he calls him forth and he that was dead is now alive and we get all jacked up about that because 
everybody hates death and everybody hates funerals and everybody hates the thought of leaving this world and dying. So when we see this story about a man that is brought back from, from death, a man that is brought back from the grave, and it's easy to get all excited about that in the miracle and we forget what the story is really about. The story is not about Lazarus. The story is not even about Mary and Martha. The story is about the Jesus you need to know. Now Jesus was friends with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Friends to the point that when they sent messengers to get Jesus, they said, the one that you love, your friend, your close friend is sick and we need your help. So there's no question, there's no, there's no stretching it to say that he was good friends with these people. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. There was something about Jesus they needed to know. They knew he was a messenger. They knew he was a teacher. They knew he was a man sent from God. They knew that he was a prophet. They knew, hey, hey, they knew he was a healer. That's why they sent for him. Are y'all with me? But there was a part of Jesus they needed to know. Now here's what I want to get, and I'm going to just give it just like God gave it to me. First thing I want you to see, first thing I want you to see, this Jesus, this Jesus that you need to know, sometimes, number one, sometimes he's confusing. Sometimes he's confusing. Preacher, what are you talking about? God is not the author of confusion. I didn't say he was. I didn't say he was the author of confusion. I'm just saying sometimes we don't understand him. And it's not about him, it's about us. Are y'all with me? Let me, let me show you what I mean. John chapter 11. Jesus, John's recording this story. John's recording what happens and he's recorded, he's recorded that, that Jesus got the message and he's recorded, uh, what Jesus is saying. Now, now look at verse five. Look at verse five. This is amazing. He said, now, now, in other words, John is saying, before I tell you what Jesus did, after he heard that his friend was sick, you need to know this. You need to know this. What did he write? Now, Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Jesus loved them. Why did John put that there? I mean, he just inserted it in the middle of this whole conversation. Why did he do that? Because what John was fixing to tell you about what Jesus did doesn't make any sense and it doesn't sound like he loved them. In other words, it's like John saying, now what I'm fixing to tell you is going to be hard to believe and it's going to sound like Jesus didn't care. It's going to sound like Jesus, but I need you to know before I tell you what I'm fixing to tell you that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Are y'all with me? You say, how is he confusing? How is he confusing? Two things, by what he did and by what he said. All right, what did he do? And, and I, I'm going to just give it to you. You just listen, all right? You just listen. You can go back and find it, but it, it's there, I promise you. What did he do? What did he do? i tell you what I did. i tell you what I did. As soon as I got the phone call, I, I jumped, got my clothes on, and I run down to Dad's, and I picked him up, and we run and broke the law all the way to Tennessee. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
We got there as quick as we could. We, could, we couldn't have got there no quicker than we did. We got there as quick as we could. We wanted to be there. We wanted to, listen, what, we, we got to get there. We got to get there. But you know what Jesus did? Jesus stayed two more days. Not only did he delay, not only did he stay, but do you realize that there were other instances and other situations with Jesus when, when they came to Jesus and said, hey, we got a problem? He just spoke the word and it was done. Do you realize Jesus didn't even have to go? He could have just said the word and Lazarus be okay. But he didn't. He didn't. He didn't even get in a hurry. He didn't even, he didn't even get in a rush. He didn't say, oh my goodness gracious, let's get there. That's what we did. That's confusing to me. That doesn't sound like he loves them. That doesn't even sound like he cares. Now, now, before y'all get y'all sanctimonious uh, halo over your head like you're, oh, you shouldn't talk about Jesus that way, don't act like you ain't never thought that. And John knew you would think that. That's why he said before what he said, hey, now before I tell you this, you got to know Jesus loved them. Because it doesn't sound like love to me. It doesn't sound like concern to me. It doesn't sound like he was too, listen, he delayed two whole days. But then to top that off, not only in what he did, but in what he said. You say, what in God's name did he say? Well, let me show you. Look what he said. The Bible says, look in verse 14. Then said Jesus unto them plainly. Lazarus is, now that's not the part I'm talking about. Look what comes next. Now read it with me. And I am glad, come on, y'all ready? And I am glad for your sakes that I was not. Not only did he wait two days, but now he's saying he's dead. And matter of fact, I'm glad I wasn't there. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? I'm glad I wasn't there. What do you mean you're glad you wasn't there? If you'd have been here, we wouldn't have died. Does anybody see anything confusing about this? Sometimes in life we pray that this one will be healed and, and God does a miracle and does wonderful things and, and their, their test results come back clear and everything's fine and everything's great. And then we pray the same prayer and we have the same desire and we have the same concern and love for this, this neighbor or this friend or, or this family member and we pray and pray and, and, and it, nothing changes and they pass away. It's confusing. God, why would you do that over here, but you didn't do it over here? Why did you meet this need, and it seemed like this need didn't get met? Come on, come on. That's confusing to me. Sometimes God doesn't operate like we think he operates. God just doesn't make sense sometimes. It doesn't make sense to send a little lad into a valley with a giant. It doesn't make sense to send Gideon with 300 men against a horde of enemy that covers the ground like grasshoppers. Doesn't make sense. 
Doesn't make sense to send the choir out with King Jehoshaphat and not the soldiers. It doesn't make sense to tell the, the, the children of Israel to march seven times around and on the seventh time blow the trumpet. None of that makes sense. But let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, in every situation that doesn't make sense on our side, it worked every time. That little lad whipped the giant. Gideon and his 300 men whipped the enemy. The children of Israel were victorious in Jericho. I need a witness. Somebody say amen. Let me tell you what the problem is. God said in Isaiah, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. Matter of fact, he says, I'm going to tell you this right now. My ways and my thoughts as high as the heaven is above the earth. So are my ways and my thoughts above your ways and your thoughts. See, we have a finite mind trying to understand an infinite God. We have a limited, we have a limited ability and a limited understanding and a limited knowledge trying to figure out and understand an unlimited, all knowing, all powerful God. And we try to figure God out in the box we have him in. But how many of y'all know God don't even own a box? I'm telling you the Jesus you need to know. John knew this would sound confusing. John knew that this wouldn't make any sense. John knew that you would already begin to have preconceived ideas about Jesus when you heard that he waited and delayed. So he said, I'm going to tell you. He loved him. Now what I'm going to tell you he did and what I'm going to tell you he said, it ain't going to sound like he loved him. But ladies and gentlemen, he loved them. And let me tell you this. I don't know what's happened in your life and I don't know what you've gone through and I don't know your trauma and I don't know your tragedy and I don't know the things that you've questioned God about, but I do know this. He loves you. We see sometimes he's confusing. Number two. Number two. I want you to write this down. Thank God for this. Martha got to him. You know, Martha, she's the She's the bossy one. Right? Whoever is going to be the first one to speak up, she, she, that she was, she's, she's the one. She's the take charge one. She's the one that makes things happen. She's the one with the initiative. She, you know, so it's, it's just natural for her to get to Jesus first. And when she gets to Jesus, she's broken and she's hurting. Can, can, come on, put yourself in their shoes. Their brother, they just watched their brother get sick and die. Now put it in this perspective. They watched that while they had watched others come to Jesus and be healed. And all they knew is that their brother is dead and Jesus was nowhere to be found. Think about that. And so she gets to Jesus. She gets to Jesus. You know, the Son of God. She gets to Jesus. You know, the Messiah. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of all the universe, the one who spoke the world into existence. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. That Jesus. And she came to Jesus and said, if you'd have been here. She's probably frustrated. She's probably upset. She's probably got tears dripping off her face. Maybe just a little angry. If you would have been here, 
You know what Jesus does? I see this in a whole different light. A whole different light. Mark, I preached this, I can't tell you how many times, but for some reason, after this thing's taken place in my life, and I, I see this in a totally different light. She, she gets there, and, and she's broken, and she's hurting, and she's frustrated, and she's probably angry, and she's man, if you'd have just been here. And I used to preach this. I used to preach this that Jesus gave her a lecture on the resurrection. But I, I don't see it like that now. You see, this is what took place. When she got there, you know what? Look at your Bible. You know, it says this. Jesus looked at her. Jesus looked at her and said, your brother's going to rise again. That was his way. And putting it in our terminology, that was his way of saying, hey, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Sometimes Jesus is confusing. But secondly, thank God he is patient with our misunderstanding. He could have very well easily with all right to say, how dare you question me? How dare you question my timing? I'm God. I spoke you into existence. I am your creator. What? That's not what he did. You know what he said? Everything's going to be okay. Your brother's going to live again. Now, I don't know about you, but that helps me. That helps me. Because there have been times in my life I didn't go to God right. I I didn't go to God in the way I should have. I didn't go to God humbly. I didn't go to God with God in his rightful place. I went to God because I was mad. I went to God because I didn't understand. I went to God because I was confused and it didn't make sense to me. But you know what? The psalmist said he knoweth our frame. He's not insecure at all. It didn't, it didn't shake him up at all about how I felt. Do y'all get what I said when I said he's not insecure at all? Let me, let me put it this way. There was a, there was a, there was a general. I can't even remember. I, I read the story so many years ago, but it stuck in my head. There was a general. Y'all remember uh, during uh, World War One, World War Two, when 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 uh, they had lights out, blackouts because of snipers and the enemy. You couldn't have any lights because you had lights. They know where you are. They'd shoot you, and so there was complete complete blackouts. And and this this private was on duty, and 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 he was on watch, and it was his responsibility to make sure everything stayed dark. Well, this general walked out, and he lit a cigar. And it was dark, so the, so the private couldn't tell who it was. All he seen was somebody lighting a cigar. And he said, get that light out, soldier. And he walked over there closer and saw it was the general. And man, it scared him to death. He said, oh, I'm so sorry. He said, son, you're doing your duty. You're doing your job. You just better be glad I'm not a lieutenant. <laughs> you know what he was saying? He was high enough rank. This, this private didn't. He, he, he wasn't insecure at all. Yeah. Let me tell you something. God's not insecure at all. He knows when we don't understand. Amen. Right. 
He knows our frame. He knows our frailty. He knows our weakness. And thank God Almighty, He is patient when we don't understand. He was so understanding. He said, everything's going to be okay. Your brother, your brother's going to be okay. How many of y'all are glad with me that he understands when we don't? And he's patient with us. He's patient when we don't understand. He's patient when, hey, how about this? He's patient when we don't agree with what he did. Would y'all agree with this that if we if 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 he did everything we want him to, nobody would ever die? They'd be seven thousand years old, and we pray God let him stay just a little longer. Am I right? He he understands. He understands. Martha comes out, Mary comes out. Mary Guess what? Mary says the same thing. If you'd have just been here. How many of y'all, how many of y'all can, can sit in their shoes a minute? How many of y'all feel what they feel? I get it. I get it. So many times I've prayed and God just moved in, in such a miraculous way and then and I hate, to, I hate to admit this, but we're all human. We're all human. I've prayed for others that, that, I, that I didn't know that well. And it just seemed like, whew, man, God just, wow. And then I prayed for the one I really needed him to do. Y'all with me? Now, it's one thing praying for your neighbor, and we should, and we should pray for their help and their healing and their blessing. But this was their brother. And they really needed Jesus to come through on this deal. They just didn't understand. But Jesus was patient with their misunderstanding. Number three. Now, now keep in mind, you notice all the points are about Jesus. You got to keep it this way. Sometimes he's confusing. But he's, uh, he's patient with our misunderstanding. Number three. Here's what takes place. They leave. They're headed. They see Mary leaving. Mary's probably the more emotional one. Mary's weeping. Mary's crying. Mary's broken. Mary is leaving the house. She hears that, that Jesus needs to see her and, and, and so she's leaving the house and these mourners. And you gotta understand in that day, depending on your financial capabilities, uh, many, many people would hire, uh, professional mourners. So you would have many people mourning over you. The more money you had, the more people mourned over you. You, you would have, you didn't just have your family and you'd have professional mourners to come help you grieve. And so this house was full of weeping Jews and, and mourners that were crying and, and upset. And, and so they see her leaving. So they say, she's going to the grave. Let's go grieve with her. Let's go do our job. Let's go help her grieve. Let's go help her weep. And I mean, they were good at what they did. I mean, they'd weep and howl and 
I mean weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and they're just mourning and, 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 and so they come out and Jesus sees them. Jesus sees them. And, and, and this is what we see. The Bible says his spirit groaned within him. And in the shortest verse in the Bible, somebody tell me. Say it again. Jesus wept. Now there's been so much confusion over this. They were even confused. They said, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Look how he loved. Look how he's broken. Look how he's broken that Lazarus has died. Well, I'm going to submit this to you that he already had a plan for Lazarus before he got there. It had nothing to do with Lazarus. Before he ever left to come to Judea, he already had it in his plan to bring him back from the dead. He was not grieving over the death of Lazarus. He was not grieving over Lazarus dying because he was just fixing to live again. Let me tell you what. He was grieving because they were grieving. He was broken because they were broken. And he was in his point of weeping. He was letting them know, hey, I feel what you feel. And it brings this verse to mind. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. What it means is we have Jesus up in the heavens who came and lived this life in a human form. He lived as a man. He, listen, he died as a man. He felt as a man. He hurt as a man. He was grieved as a man. And whatever you feel, he feels. He's not only confusing sometimes. He's not only patient with our misunderstanding. But number three, he feels what we feel. He was not weeping because of Lazarus. He's going to bring him back. He was weeping so then people could understand that he is relating to their sorrow. He is relating to their pain. And he feels what we feel. Let me put it this way. This family... My dad's brother, they've been through so much. I've lost two cousins, which would be Uncle Herbert's two daughters, to cancer. We just buried Tracy last year. So now my Aunt Gracie's lost her two daughters and her husband in just a matter of a couple of years. Well, Tony... Tracy's husband, which would have been my Aunt Gracie's son-in-law. We buried his wife last year, my cousin Tracy. Tony comes up to my Aunt Gracie and, and says, how you doing? And then he said this. He said, wait a minute. He said, I know how you're doing. You know why he could say that? Because he's lost a spouse too. And you know what he said? I feel what you feel. I was preaching Wednesday at this funeral and with tears falling off of my face. I looked at my cousin Randy and I said, I, I, I can't relate to you. Randy, I can't say I feel what you feel and I, I know what you're going through. Because my father's sitting just a few rows behind you. Aunt Gracie, I can't relate to you. I, 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 my spouse is at home. 
But I looked at the grandkids and I, I, I said, Kirsten and Ariel, I feel what you feel. I remember when my grandfather died and I remember what I felt and I know what you are feeling and I know what you're going through. I can relate to you. I couldn't relate to everybody in the room. I couldn't feel what everybody was feeling. But let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. You have a high priest in heaven who knows what you are going through. He feels what you feel. It matters to him the pain that you're experiencing. It matters to him the suffering you're going through. I'm so glad I have somebody who knows what I feel. And there is, there is something when somebody tries to console you, but there's a whole other thing when they can say, I know what you're going through. He feels what we feel. He feels what we feel. And this is the message. That was all introduction. The message is point number four. The message is point number four. Jesus, after he shows them that he feels what they feel, he looks at Mary and says, where have you laid him? Where have you laid him? Take me to him. And I'm going to make this short because y'all already know the story. You know what happens. They take him to the graveyard. They say, move the stone. Well, I mean, naturally, they're going to say, what are you doing? They said, you don't understand. By now, he already stinks. He's been dead so long that he's, he's been decomposing. He's going to smell. This is, don't, what are you doing? Remember, what's the title? What's the title? Oh, okay, all together. Miss Kim, I'd never make a teacher. I'd choke them to death. They wouldn't get together. Let's try this again. You know why they balked at him moving that rock? They didn't know him. You know why they question him moving that stone? Come on. They knew him as a teacher. They knew him as a prophet. They knew him as a friend. They knew him as a healer. But Jesus needed to know, Jesus needed them to know him as the resurrection. And I know this may be hard to understand, but it's impossible to have a resurrection without a death. And so what point do we see here? When he went in that graveyard and moved that stone out of the way and called him forth and said, Lazarus, come forth, and he came out of that grave. You need to know that he was more than just a friend. He was more than just a friend. Yes, he was their friend. Yes, he loved them. Yes, he cared about their feelings. Yes, he was patient with their misunderstanding. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. Yes, all of that is true. But they needed to know that he was more than their friend. He was more than a loved one. He was God. He was the resurrection and the life. Somebody say amen. 
He was the boss. He was in charge. He was all powerful. He was almighty. He was all knowing. And he had a plan. He's more than just a friend. Now I want you to, I want you to, I want you, you done through writing, so put it away. I got 10 minutes to talk to you. So look at me. Put your pens down, put your papers down, and just look at me. Well, I want to write what you say. Get it off video. Everybody look at me. This will just be a few minutes, just a couple minutes. Okay? Those times in our life that cause us to ask why. Here's here's what I need you to understand. Don't don't feel guilty and be tore out the frame because you felt that. Okay, just get that out of your head. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Okay, so, so the old wives tale about you're never to question God. That's just because Jesus is our prime example. And he said, why? So just forget all that. But the reason that we can't get over it. It is natural. All the way to Tennessee. I'm trying to figure out why. Why didn't he go to the doctor? Why didn't he get his heart checked? Why didn't we see the symptoms? Why? Why? Why now? Why this? Why? Amen. But at at a point in our life, we've got to go. But there are so many people who are still stuck in the why. And the reason that is, and I'm not here to hurt nobody's feelings, but I'm here to get, I'm, I'm here to wake you up. The reason we can't get over what we've been under is because we don't have God in the right place. Do you remember what I said about this story? This story is not about Mary. This story is not about Martha. This story is not about Lazarus. Jesus did not go into that tomb and raise him and bring him back because he wanted Lazarus to live again and he didn't want Lazarus to die and he was hurting because he had died. He didn't do that because of their prayers. He didn't do that because of their weeping. Jesus didn't do any of that because of their brokenness and because he didn't want them to hurt and he wanted them to have peace and, and harmony. He didn't do it for nothing. None of those things because he had planned to do it before he ever left. He did it because he wanted to do it. He did it because he planned to do it. He did it because there was a purpose for it. And when we put Jesus where he properly belongs as the priority and as God. Preacher, what are you talking about? There are so many songs that are being written. It's all about man. There is false teaching and false preaching that has permeated the airwaves. It's all prosperity garbage that makes it that we're here and God is here to serve us. 
And that is completely opposite of what we're supposed to be. He is God. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, wherever he wants, with whoever he wants. He is God and there is none other. And if we read one verse, it'll clear it all up. Verse number four. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. Now, now, some of us read that as that he's not going to die. But if you will see the timeline, he died the day they sent the servants. So it's not about, it's not about, he's not saying he's not going to die. What he's saying is that's not the purpose. That's not the purpose. What's the purpose? This sickness is not unto death, but for the, but for the, that the Son of God might be. You see, this is not about Lazarus. This is not about Martha. People, people, I tell you this, that we get stuff wrong when we try to insert ourselves in these stories and we try to make these stories about us. And oh, he wanted, he, Mary and Martha are there and he doesn't want them grieving. He doesn't want them hurting. He wants to bring Lazarus back so they won't be in pain anymore. So God's going to, no, that has absolutely nothing to do with it. It wasn't about their pain. It wasn't about their sorrow. Yes, he could feel it. Yes, he cared. But that was not the purpose. The purpose was the glory of God. We are put on this planet for the glory of God. Whether we eat, whether we drink, whatsoever we do, do under the glory of God. We are created for the glory of God. We were ordained for the glory of God. We're to bring God glory in everything we do, every decision we make, every trial and suffering we go through. We're to bring Him glory. They looked at the, they looked at the blind guy. The disciples said, all right, who sinned? He was born blind, so who sinned to cause him to be that way, his mama or him? Jesus gave them the big holy eye roll. And his thinking was, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Number one, he couldn't sin before he came out in the womb. Number two, it was not his parents that sinned. It doesn't work that way. He said, but for the glory of God. And heals this guy, and now he sees. Now what did that do? When he healed the guy, now he sees. They looked at God like, whoa. It magnified. It magnified the power of Jesus. It magnified the person of Jesus. That was the purpose. They were just players in the drama. You know what this was about? It wasn't about Martha. It wasn't about Mary. It wasn't about Lazarus. You know how I know that? Because he died again. Do you know that? You understand that? He had to die again. Poor guy. This was about Jesus. Do you know him? 
Because this is the Jesus you need to know. You need to know the Jesus who's in charge. You need to know the Jesus who has his own schedule. You need to know the Jesus who is not hurried by our time clock. You need to know the Jesus who has a plan. You need to know the Jesus who can take things that are meant for evil and turn it out for good. You need to put him in his right spot. Preacher, I just can't get over this. I just keep asking God why. Well, get out the wrong seat. You're in the wrong seat. You've made this about you. You need to put Jesus where he rightfully belongs. He is God. He is sovereign. He is right. He's all-knowing. Submit to him. And maybe you will see him in a different light. Because this, this, this whole thing is not about us. I don't care what the prosperity preachers are telling you that, you know, you just speaking into existence and he will do whatever you, come on people. Did God not say our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Preacher, is that easy? Lord, no. No. But I promise you this, if we can start understanding that Jesus is God, He's not our pal and our buddy. That's what we've made Him. If maybe I can do it this way. Maybe, maybe I can do it this way. Parents, moms, dads, especially with your little toddlers, you're not their friend. Quit trying to be their friend and beat their little behinds. We got what we have in the streets now. No respect of authority whatsoever because somebody thought it was a smart idea to quit spanking their children about 1985. We just want to be their friend. We just want to be their buddy. But no, no, no. That's not the way it works. They need authority. They need somebody in charge. They need a protector. They need a guide. God is not our buddy who we hang out with. God is God. He's he's sovereign. He is Lord. And they needed to see that He was more than their friend. He was more than somebody that just cared about Him. He was more than somebody who could just fix their problem. He was more than somebody who could heal their disease. He was the resurrection and the life. He's more than our friend. He's God. And I'm afraid we've lost that reverence and we've lost that respect in the, in the, the Christian circles today. Do you know what the beginning of knowledge is? Watch this. Look at Proverbs. The beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. And that's gone. We need to cut. I guarantee you this, when Lazarus come out of that grave, it changed how they thought about Jesus. 
Now let me say it this way, because well, 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 my, my friend, my family member, my husband, my wife, they didn't get resurrected. You're, you've missed the point. You've missed the whole point. Because Lazarus eventually had to die again. You see, the whole point is that they saw Jesus in a way they never saw Him. The whole point was this was planned. This was a planned event by God to accomplish His purpose. And the purpose was not their comfort. The purpose was not to cease them from grieving and hurting. The purpose was not necessarily for Lazarus to live again and breathe again. That wasn't it. He had to die again. The purpose was for God to be glorified. Now watch this. Look at me, guys. I'm I'm done right here. This is it. If you live your life for you, you're going to have a hard time. Watch this. When God fulfills His purpose and it's not what you want. Paul said to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Watch this now. Watch this. He said, whether I live or whether I die, I want it to bring God glory either way. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying when we can get to that point, our traumas and our tragedies that we don't understand will have a whole new meaning and a whole new light. When we can look at God and say, God, what is your plan for this? In what way do you want me to bring you glory through my trauma and my tragedy? And there's something about lining up with the will of God and, and, and glorifying Him for the purpose, even if the purpose is something we disagree with, there's something healing about that. And there is a peace And there is a comfort that we receive when we quit saying, God, why, why, why? I didn't like that. I didn't agree with that. It's okay to start there. It's okay to start there. I've been there a bunch of times. But it's not okay to stay there. You have to say, okay, God, thank you for being patient with me. Now help me to see your purpose. Help me to bring glory to you in the moment you begin to bring glory to Him through your pain and through your suffering. There is a healing that takes place that I can't even describe. Don't make this about you. This whole life, this whole thing we call life is not about you. It's all about Him. And all God's people say it.